Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Groot-Nibblink, and you might know me as that Apples and Genos guy who wrote that one article that you read this offseason and promptly forgot about. Today, I'm continuing my strategy series where I bring up a bunch of topics related to fantasy hockey strategy and have a guest make me look like I know what I'm talking about while I do it. The aim here is that we all get better together and are able to gather strategy notes from all the sharpest minds out there. For this show, I have the pleasure of welcoming Ben Burnett to the podcast. Ben is the host of the Short Shifts podcast, which airs twice weekly and tackles some of the biggest storylines in fantasy hockey every week. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Nate. Thanks so much for having me on the show. And kind of a tall task you're giving me here, uh, trying to make me <laughs> have me make you sound smart. I think you said that's. Uh, I'll do my best. I no promises. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, maybe include something that people who know you just from fantasy hockey wouldn't necessarily have thought about you. Sure, yeah. So um, I got into fantasy hockey about eight or nine years ago and ended up becoming friends with uh, Brian and Elon, who run the Keeping Carlson podcast. And uh, then through a few... uh, a few connections. We I ended up podcasting with my pal Lewis Ezekiel, and now we run the Short Shifts podcast on the Keeping Carlson Network. Um, I guess I, I did try and think about this when you mentioned I was going to have to come up with something uh, that people might not know about me, which I really appreciate the heads up. I'm I'm a terrible on the spot thinker. Same. I don't think I've said this on the podcast on a podcast before, but I I'm a former moderator of a Toronto Maple Leafs message board. And, oh no! Uh, that's a that's a fun uh, that's a fun biographical fact that I, I have not shared yet. I think <laughs> I can only imagine the uh, vitriol that you've had to sort through through that time. <laughs> it was bad, yeah. And I was like twelve or thirteen at the time too, so oh, it nice. was like I was dealing, you know, I was dealing with some uh, some stuff that I I was probably not old enough to really. <laughs> handle, but maybe that's why I'm so mature now. Oh, probably, yeah. All right, so. You may have already alluded to it, but tell us who your favorite NHL team is and sell me on why I should abandon the Leafs, or maybe if you are a Leafs fan, tell me why I should continue on even though they continue to kill my insides every single year. So I am a uh, recovering Leafs fan. I'm no longer uh, on the Toronto Maple Leafs fan wagon. Um, as I as I said earlier, I was a, a big fan, or as I alluded to, I guess, I was a huge fan when I was younger. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad is a huge fan. His his first memory is the 1967 uh, Cup win. There you go. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's cool for him. I'm happy for him. But for me personally, I uh, <laughs> was a Leafs fan through my youth. And then started to kind of stray away from hockey for a few years when I was uh, in my later teen years. And when I went back, when I when I started getting back into hockey again, I was kind of like, well, if I cheer for the Leafs, I'm just going to be miserable. Like that, that does not sound appealing to me whatsoever as I get back into the sport. And so I looked around and uh, that year was the uh, the Rangers Flyers path to the Winter Classic series. Mm-hmm. So I, I decided I'm all in on Henrik Lundqvist and uh, my new York Rangers fandom began then. Nice, nice. Yeah, Henrik Lundqvist, that's uh, one of the greats for sure. Good one to align with. Yes, and now we, you know, he retires and we we get right into the era of Igor. So it's I've been yeah. very fortunate so far. Yeah, not having to think about goalies. That must be nice. I mean, hey, I'm all for the Jack Campbell renaissance in Toronto. So hopefully you guys are are headed that way as well, but we'll see. I guess yeah. it's still early. 
it is still early, but yeah, everybody in Toronto absolutely loves Jack Campbell. I think everybody league-wide probably loves Jack Campbell, but um, yeah, hoping he's our answer, that's for sure. All right, well, why don't we jump into the strategy portion here? Um, we'll just dive right into it. We're going to talk a bit about trading. I'm going to have a few questions uh, about trading and uh, different approaches and stuff. What's maybe a general approach? Like, I know... A lot of people, I think it's one of the more intimidating aspects of fantasy hockey when they get started, especially. They don't know what a fair trade is. They don't know how to approach it. So how do you approach it? Yeah, I think that that's totally true. I remember I got into fantasy sports through fantasy football, and my go-to column was the, uh, I think it was a CBS Sports trade value chart and I would try and figure out possible trades where I might come out on top based on this chart which attributed value to each player throughout the league so you could kind of see like oh if I trade these two guys for those two it it might end up being uh I might be coming out in the positives here mm-hmm. um that doesn't really exist in fantasy hockey as far as I can tell maybe you know maybe one of us should, should start it Nate yeah. um but uh basically when I'm when I look at trading I think that folks look at trading as this thing where it's like I have to win I cannot lose and therefore I will go in very guarded to this this negotiation and I'm going to also basically posture as hard as I can and only offer scraps uh, in exchange for your best player or Mm -hmm. you know somebody will say like all right well I need a right winger so I'm just going to send out a bunch of offers of really good right wingers for kind of crappy or or mediocre centers for example but then there's no amount of really looking to or I, I think that people struggle with the aspect of trading that is like it should be mutually beneficial. And so the number one thing that I think of when I think about trading that doesn't really get talked about is you should be trying as best as you can to build relationships with your league mates because I've, I've been there where you enter a league with a group of friends who are all, you know, and you're seeing these trades happening and you're like, how are these trades going down? Like, how are these people getting these guys? I remember one of my first keeper leagues, Sidney Crosby got traded for like Ben Bishop and Jonathan Druin as like in his first year. So like yikes, selling on hype. Yes, exactly. Huge yikes. And it was just like, man, I really need to figure it out and start getting in on some of these trade discussions. So my number Number one thing, the the big part of it is you got to build relationships with folks and start to talk to your league mates more and and a little bit less guarded too. I, mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of a an easy one to forget. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, especially, yeah, especially leagues that you're entering where you might not know people as well. Um, just starting a conversation, uh, send out an offer, sure, and then send out a little message alongside it do that a fair bit and say what do you think about this are you high on this guy rest of season um i'm looking to add d or something so that's why i want to do this trade you know just yeah Absolutely. start the conversation at least and I, yeah i think that a, a big mistake that people make is that they they hear on a podcast you know i'm i'm guilty of this to an extent i'm not always giving full uh, context every time I say maybe try this trade but you know right. you, you just drop a trade offer and then bail and it's really easy for someone to see a trade offer that pops in and just be like no but if you send them a, a message whether you have like a group chat and you can you can 
text them through Discord or Messenger or whatever. Um, I definitely think that you're much better off saying something like, hey, I'm looking for a defenseman. Are there any on your team that you would be willing to move? Not only does that give put the ball in their court, it starts the conversation, and you're not tipping your hat off top. Like, if you send me an offer for my Andre Svechnikov, I'm going to know right away, all right, this guy really wants Svechnikov. I can probably right. milk him a little yeah. bit based on that. So I, I do think that there's, you know, you don't want to play your cards too openly, but you also need to build a relationship because otherwise there are just going to be folks who don't even they just don't trust you they don't they don't want to talk to yep. you about it yep and i am that guy who always wants svechnikov so uh, <laughs> that's good advice for me there you go yeah <laughs> uh so how do you identify players that you want to trade for or trade away i guess um like would you look around the league and say, this is a player I'm actively trying to acquire? Would you look at your own team first and say, you know, I don't know if I want to be rostering this player long term, so maybe I want to try to move him? Uh, what what kind of starts a trade in your mind? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think in terms of who I want to trade for, I think it's the same as anyone. I'm looking at shooting percentages. I'm looking at sustainability. I'm looking at ice time. Uh, looking at the metrics that we, as a as a fantasy hockey player, we come to associate with sustainability, and right. so there there's a number of those that you can really get into, and I probably I'm not going to list them all off now, but I, I'm sure that any number of folks are, would be willing to chat about it, and you can always mm-hmm. you know text us on our Twitter as well. We're we're happy to uh, to chat, but basically I uh, when I'm looking at players I want to trade for, I'm looking more for a trade partner first. Because I know that if I go to you, Nate, and you have four right-wing uh, only players and then three players who are uh, are center left-wing, then or rather, like, you only have one center and, you know, you're, you're set on left, I know that you're not going to trade me your center. No matter how bad right. I want, uh, I don't know, no matter how bad I want Anthony Sorelli, you're not going to be able to trade him. He's going to be more valuable to you than he is to me because right. of your lack of centers. So I'm looking for a trading partner more than I'm looking for a player that I want to trade for. And I think mm-hmm. that that's something, you know, people hear like, uh, Kevin Fiala is a buy low. And so they just go out and they look for the Kevin Fiala manager in their league. And then they just send a trade offer, but they don't look at the roster. They don't, or I think a rookie mistake is they don't look at the roster. They don't see, oh, he's stacked at defense and is, is missing. He doesn't really have much wing depth or things right. like that. So I, I definitely think that you're looking for a trade partner more, or should be looking for a trade partner more than a trade target. When I'm mm-hmm. looking at my roster of who I want to trade away, I'll be honest, I, I think that I'm a little bit too jumpy in this regard. I can be too trade happy because trades are just so fun to me. That's the fun <laughs> part of the league. So I am often willing to make trades that I think others wouldn't. But typically it's you know the same thing that we talked about earlier, guys who... Uh, maybe they have a somebody else at their position who's coming back from injury and you're thinking, OK, well, this might bump them off the top power play or maybe they'll shoot a bit less once they get their once they're back on this line with this volume shooter. Um, kind of those things of just looking ahead, uh, seeing I, I, I'm a religious schedule watcher. I, mm-hmm. I try and keep on top of who has good schedules coming up, who's got terrible ones. And so I'm often in some of my more competitive leagues, I'm out there trying to trade like waiver wire level players just based on, I, I want to get that guy in for a Sunday start, you know? Right. So there, there's a, a number of different, uh, a number of different reasons that I would want to trade for or trade someone away, but those are a few. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good. 
Now, would you say that your trading strategy varies at different points in the season? So like uh, early on, is it different from, you know, three weeks before the playoffs? I guess so. I, I've been thinking about this a lot this season because I made a trade before the season started and it's really screwed me uh, very hard. Um, I traded, I'm, oh God, I'm outing myself here, but basically <laughs> my cupful team, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, I'm in the top tier. It's incredible competition, really difficult. I came out of the draft and my defense was kind of weak and I had a ton of, of winger depth and I looked around the league and my winger depth was by far the best, uh, or I, to, to my eyes, post-draft. It has not right. worked out quite as, as well as I had hoped. But basically, I went around and I realized, all right, I actually, my seventh best winger right now is Chris Kreider. So I, I could definitely wow. trade him for a defenseman because um, I, I don't really have a marquee defenseman. And it, it's actually gotten worse since because my number one defenseman was Jeff Petrie. Anyway, I <laughs> uh, wound up trading Kreider for Ryan Pollock. And it has gone as horribly as yeah. anyone can imagine because I did know that I was playing with fire a little bit because Kreider is always just goes bananas to start the season. So yeah. I did know I did expect him to be very good in October. Um, mm -hmm. The question is, how good will he be the rest of the year? And, and I do think that he will come back down to earth quite a bit. Ryan yeah. Pollock, though, does not look like he is going to be popping off in quite the to quite the extent I had hoped for. So. Yeah. I think that for me at the start of the season, I would like to I'd like to have a bit more patience and, and start mm -hmm. trading a bit later on rather than give up on these guys who I I I drafted well and then I, I kind of shot myself in the foot. So I, I do right. want to be careful there. Once I get further into the season, I'm definitely just looking for any advantage that I could possibly find. Mm -hmm. And typically, if I'm struggling, as I am, as I mentioned earlier, if I'm struggling at this point in the season, then I'm willing to start taking some swings. Um, right. So, for example, I just traded Taylor Hall for uh, Troy Terry. And yep. Yep. I feel pretty good about it. But also, like, that could be if you had told me I was going to do that a month ago, I would have right. laughed at you. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm taking swings here, and I think that that's sort of what I do when I when I start to fall behind. Once I get towards the end of the season, you know, a few weeks out or, or the trade deadline, that's when I'm starting to think, okay, what's like I'm starting to look at final pieces and what sort of playoff roster I want to have. And typically mm -hmm. by then, I like to be in a point where I'm not really looking to make world shatter, excuse me, world shattering moves, but just something where I'm. Maybe just cinching up my roster if I'm a little weak on the left side. Try and give up something on the right to to cinch that up, whatever it is. But yeah, yeah it, I definitely think that in fantasy hockey, as with anything, you need to roll with the punches. You have to be flexible. Right. Yeah, that that kind of leads into my what my next question was going to be. So you kind of talked about if your team is doing poorly, you're kind of more willing to take shots. Uh, play for some upside you know if this guy hits maybe he does a lot better than anyone expected um does that does that translate to if your team is doing better than expected or you know maybe just you know top two or three in the league and you're kind of running hot do you try to trade for more stability like um, more established players in the league maybe um or is it not really a factor for you how if you're at the top end of the league yeah, I think 
in terms of if I'm cruising, I do still trade because I'm a trade freak who is obsessed <laughs> with uh, it's just my favorite part of the game. So I, I'm yep. always going to be open to trading for sure. Usually, though, if I'm if I'm running hot, if I'm ahead of the league, as I was last year uh, heading into the playoffs, that's when I'm willing to make some swings on some injured players who could help me down the line. I can take the hit now and and hopefully get some get some uh, get some value towards the end of the year. And so, you know, right now I'm my one of the reasons why my team is doing so terribly is my uh, my injured reserve is completely full. I have Nikita Kucherov. It's it's challenging ah. to to come back from an injury like that. And so yep. if I were in the opposite position, I might be hitting me up to poach one of my four very good injured players, because right. I, I do think that that's that's a the strategy that I prefer is to try and leverage my position into having further or future benefit. Right. Makes sense. Um, this one I didn't prep you for, but I made a trade in Kukupful, uh okay. this week. I traded Frederick Anderson for Mark Shifley. How did I do? I voted for this uh, trade in the Kukupful Trades Discord yep. group on the, the Keeping Carlson patron Discord. And I voted for Mark Shifley. I, I would Phew. also, I don't buy the, An I mean, you're a Leafs fan, so you must understand this. Yeah. I don't buy the Anderson bounce back. Like, he's always this streaky right like he yep. always runs hot and then yep. he goes cold for like a month and everyone's like just drop anderson and then yep. he'll be good again later but yep. yeah I, I think that i think you made out like a bandit yeah that's the way i felt uh i was kind of hoping to get out of anderson just to capitalize on the hot start um partially just because i think goalies don't make any sense at any point during the season so and when everyone's really hot and everyone views them as studs then i'm willing to trade them and push them into skaters um but maybe yeah, that sorry, sorry go ahead i was just gonna say like in the i've had a few cupful teams in the higher tiers the last few years that have had that have been goalie heavy and it's so hard to move out a goalie in these higher tiers because everyone's yeah. super risk averse at yeah. that point um, I will say, though, that this year the Kukupful scoring is really goalie friendly. So yes. it is possible that you are, you know, that you are going to lose this trade. But for me, it's I think you're taking the much safer and more mm -hmm. established route. And I would be I, that's the side that I would go with all day. If I if I got an offer right now, I have Campbell, I have Jack Campbell and uh, the two non Mike Smith Oilers goalies. And yeah. if I got like a top 40 player for, either, you know, I guess with Campbell, it's it's hard because he's literally like the number four scorer in the cupful right yeah. now so yeah. he, he's a tough one to find a trading partner with because nobody's going to trade me somebody a, a top 10 player for jack campbell right. but if i could get one i definitely would get out of him just because i don't trust goalies and i think that there's a this is a good segue to one of your other questions actually yeah <laughs> yeah so i'd like to get your take on um the zero g draft strategy that's what i've been calling it i didn't hear anybody touting any other names for fading goalies during your drafts but um yeah i'd like to see where you fall on it if you have any if you use it yourself to some extent uh, what you do with goalies in your draft and how you view them during the season in fact i think that you've done this you've done the fantasy hockey community a huge favor by by coming up with a name for zero for zero g and i i follow fantasy football stuff a little bit so i was aware of zero running back as a strategy right and i have been going zero g for years but not having a name for it because right. 
uh, to me, every single year there's a top tier goal. I mean, this is this is not breaking any news to anyone. Every year there's yeah. a top tier goalie who sucks, and somebody drafts them in the top twenty five, and it ruins their entire season. Um, I'm going through that with Kucherov, but that's an injury, and that's that could happen right. to any single person. It seems to happen to goalies performance wide, performance wise far more frequently. Um, so yes, I've never had a name for it as a draft strategy, but in our circle and uh, among the Keeping Carlson group, we've often just referred to it as a gab. All goalies are bad, yeah. and <laughs> I uh, I don't know that I agree with that in a literal sense. I think right. all goalies are maybe overvalued or untrustworthy, but um, certainly I do think that uh, going zero goalies is the only strategy that makes sense to me, except when you're in a league where, uh, I mean, we talked about flexibility earlier and that's kind of what it is, right? It's like I go into a draft planning to be zero goalies, but sometimes a goalie is going to fall that I really like and I might grab him a bit earlier than I normally would or um, sometimes I'm in a, a league we were in a league last year uh, my co-host Lewis and I that had goalie wins as worth like six points like it was like 10 points for a goalie win and five points for a, a goal so we wow. were just like yeah. well let's take Vasilevsky at eight yeah <laughs> and, uh, and it worked um, so I definitely think that you know you need to be very cognizant of your league settings sure but i overall think you know the cupful is a points league uh i have a points keeper league that i run in both of those leagues i prefer to uh stay off goalies and the reason is i'm sure you know this i'm not speaking i'm preaching to the choir but the Mm -hmm. reason why i go that way is because you can find goalie starts off the waiver wire that are equal to maybe not like vasilevsky but pretty much any other goalie so i think that it's just you're playing with house you're you're playing with you can find a lot of value off the waiver wire in goaltending that you cannot find out of forwards or defense yeah yeah jonathan quick and james reimer given me like league best goalie <laughs> stats for the last two weeks in a bunch of my leagues and yeah and like and quick just... is a great example like sometimes you have a guy who comes off the waiver wire and you're just like geez i didn't even have a chance to like think about grabbing this goalie before he was gone in all my leagues but quick was a really interesting one where no one at all bought that he was actually taking over right and so the the calvin peterson manager pretty much in all of my leagues whoever has calvin peterson was able to get jonathan quick because eventually they just had to be like god like i need these starts i guess i'll grab quick and thank god that i did in the league where i had peterson because i wasn't buying the jonathan quick revival Mm -hmm. and uh here we are he's been incredible and peterson's getting shelled tonight by uh yeah by uh carolina yeah all right well i'm glad to at least have one more person on my side here (laughs) But uh, why don't we go on to the next question I have here. Um, I really like this question. Uh, I think it's really valuable, especially for people who are just starting out. So what do you think is the most important thing for first-time fantasy managers, someone who's brand new to the the sport, I guess, if you want to call it that, the game? Um, What's the most important thing for first-time fantasy managers to get a handle on? What should they focus on figuring out in their first season? Yeah, I think that the first thing anyone needs to know is how their league works. 
Because if you come in from, let's say, a, a fantasy football perspective and you're playing in a categories league, mm-hmm. you are not going to understand how to do that. Yeah. Um, it's it's just going to be completely foreign to you. Or if you come in from a roto basketball league and you're playing in a points league, that's it's the same thing. So definitely you need to understand how your league works. And then I think it's really about figuring out where the tools are online to help you stay on top of things. So the main mm-hmm. one is deployment, right? Like if you're able to know if which players are getting good deployment, which players are up on line one, power play one, you know, if you can read game day lines on Twitter or yep. um, Dauber's last game lines, honestly, like the yep. entire Frozen Tools suite mm-hmm. of, of tools is what, that might be a little advanced for somebody who's first starting out, but that's kind of what you're trying to, to get to, right? Is, right? is to slowly figure out where the the most valuable information is and that's mm-hmm. what to me it's all about it's all about deployment and i guess from there it's you know shot rate uh which mm-hmm. players are shooting a ton which players are um unsustainable which players are those sorts of things yeah yeah that makes sense to me especially i think maybe like the shot rates and understanding maybe some advanced stats that's for me maybe like a second year thing i think it's probably enough to just in your first year like understand what's going on in the league what makes players good and bad um, how they can win you different categories if you're in a categories league um, what scores the most points some people join a league and hits are worth like half of a goal and like <laughs> it's just yeah Radko Gudis wins the league for you so um, so yeah, yeah understanding the league is definitely a very important first step I think that's a good point, too, because like fantasy hockey, more than any other sport that I've only played basketball and football. But fantasy hockey to me is any time I've had a a fantasy league um, or any time I've seen a league that where the scoring is so bizarre that I don't understand it. It's almost always a hockey league. (laughs) (laughs) There are some really bizarre fantasy hockey formats out there. Yeah. 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 So uh, sorry. Go ahead. I, well, I, I was going to say, I know that you mentioned your next step. And for me, I think that the next step for, for the next manager, I would want to impart the importance of scheduling and figuring mm-hmm. out where you can, where you can track um, what the upcoming schedule looks like. Um, I think it's about organization and planning in a lot of cases, which is something yep. I'm not inherently good at. So it's something I've had to learn and teach myself to yep. stay competitive. So like using tools like ZeroGar to yep. stay on top of uh, this week's schedule as well as next week's. And so you're not dropping a guy who plays four times this week for a guy who only plays on Saturday and your lineup's already full. So you're not even going to get a start out of this guy. Like those are yep. the things that at, when I started playing fantasy, would pop off at you you know in football it's one game a week so it's like yeah i'm adding this guy but i'm not dropping my starter to get him in like i'm I'm dropping a bench guy to add a bench guy maybe if he goes off then you know i have him on my bench for next week and i can i can put him in but in fantasy hockey it's like sometimes you're adding guys who just don't get into your roster and they just sit on your bench and go off and you can't fit them back in so i think scheduling is kind of the next step for me yep yeah that makes a lot of sense that's why i managed to get Kyle Burrows in last night for his uh, awesome goal. Amazing. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> um, so let's flip over maybe just to a draft tip. Um, I'm interested if you could have 
if you had like you know 30 seconds to give somebody a draft tip what's the what's the thing they should know before going into their draft i guess at least have a general overview strategy like like we said you need Mm -hmm. to look at that format and then you need to figure out where you think you'll grab a goalie or how many defensemen you want to get early on i like Mm -hmm. to be ready basically to know okay well in this league defensemen are going to be really valuable in a in a in a bangers league right um Mm -hmm. if i can get a roman yossi or you know i would have said this before last year a a jacob chikrin um (laughs) you know that's somebody who i'm going to grab a little bit earlier than i than their adp because i i want to have that that rock on defense um but also too i I think that the zero g strategy is something i want to be aware of i want to say to everyone just don't grab a goalie in the first few rounds and Mm -hmm. and you should be okay yeah (laughs) definitely (laughs) yeah i don't think it's uh it's news to anybody who follows anything that i've put out over the last year but yeah zero g is definitely my number one whenever somebody talks to me about draft strategy yeah, and I, I think that the next step there is just being a being a being flexible, right? Because it's like, yeah. like I said, I've been in leagues where I, I go in and I, I anticipate not grabbing a goalie, but then nine goalies go in the first three rounds, and my second or third ranked goalie is sitting there, and it's like, well, kind of tough to to say no. I don't feel like sure. I'm giving up as much value when everyone else has grabbed a goalie anyway. Usually, you know, you want to you're stacking up forwards. Or, or skaters at this point because you're you're getting so much excess value by not risking it all mm-hmm. on this goalie up top. But if you're able to find your favorite goalie because he slides a round or two and and, and there you are in the top of the fourth and uh, say Thatcher Demko is looking at you after 10 or 15 goalie, you know, if Igor Shostyorkin's still there, then it might mm-hmm. be a great opportunity to, to sort of to zig when others are expecting you or i guess zag when others are expecting you to zig i don't know anyway (laughs) be flexible i I definitely think that's important but maybe less so for a beginner because you don't really know what you're doing and Mm -hmm. and you need a little bit i I would try and go in with a plan yeah yeah i think especially if you're new or even maybe first or second year manager you're getting into a draft you want to kind of have some idea of what you're going to do. You don't want to get in there and you see, yeah, you see a big goalie run or two or a D run or something, and then suddenly you're you're uh, drafting Ryan Pulak, sorry, in the <laughs> sixth round, and uh, you're just kind of putting yourself behind the eight ball to start the season. 100%. All right, so let's flip over then to some waiver strategy. Um First off, I'll just say, like, does your waiver strategy vary at all at different points in the season? Is it kind of consistent throughout? Are you looking at the same things every time um, that you go to the waivers each and every week? I think when when I think about the waiver wire, it's it's really... I look at it very differently in the first half of the season and the back half. For me personally, maximizing the schedule tends to be king because I'm I'm in hyper competitive leagues and I need that week to week leverage to be competitive. Mm-hmm. But you know, in most leagues, you know, in categories leagues where you can afford to take, um, you can lose four weeks in a row five four, but still make the playoffs off that twelve sure. nothing win that you have yeah. right. So. Yeah. You know, it, it it varies based on the league to me. But at the beginning, I think you're trying to balance that 
you're trying to maximize the schedule, but you're balancing that with players who could have long-term success because mm-hmm. those waiver wire steals are right there. And and you don't know which one, who is who. Um, and those players tend to disappear fairly quickly. So yeah. I think that the, for the first few months, I find I wish that I had unlimited moves at that point because I want to try <laughs> out all of these different guys. Yeah. And I want to grab those guys who have season-long upside. But I'm also trying to make sure that I'm not giving up too many games early on. By the second half of the season, though, you're typically picking between the dregs of the waiver wire. Like, it's usually picked pretty clean in a competitive Mm -hmm. league by February. So I would say you need to be ready to move into that schedule schedule maximization mode by that by later in this in the year. So hopefully if you're if you are a bit of a newer player, that's something that you're working on now. So by the time you hit February and you're not able to find those guys who, you know, Nate's tweeting about or Brian and Elon are, uh, are talking about on podcasts, those guys aren't as readily available for you to scoop up and and ride to victory. By that point, hopefully you'll know how to maximize your schedule and you can win your league doing that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this is something that I need to get better at is I, my tendency anyway is to go straight into schedule schedule maximization, um, like from the drop of the puck, the first game of the season, and this year, like it caused me to miss out on uh, Terry and um, Raymond, for example, Troy yep. Terry and Lucas Raymond. <laughs> Same. Um, yeah, so I need to kind of find that balance for myself. I think where especially early in the season where there are these breakouts and they are real um and even if you want to have them and eventually flip them if you don't believe that they can sustain it forever um they become valuable assets um so yeah some somehow i need to uh build in a little bit more belief in breakouts into my waiver wire strategy i think especially early in the season like you're saying yeah i'm i feel the exact same way because i'm i go zero to a hundred as soon as that puck drops and i think that this year in particular i'm I'm giving myself a bit of a break here nate because and i and i think you should too um, <laughs> because last year was just such a sprint right yeah. from the, it's a 12 or 13 week regular season and you have no room for error whatsoever you need yeah. to win every single week this year is not like that right like you yeah. and i could have benefited from having a bit more patience from saying, okay, week one, uh, maybe I should be grabbing the highest upside players possible, even if they're not going to play an extra game for me, even if I'm giving up a bit of week one leverage, at the very least, I I might have a home run swing on my hand. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm really big on taking home run swings in the back half of the draft. But for some reason, psychologically, once the once the season starts, my brain jumps into, all right, marginal value. I need to ring out yeah. an extra <laughs> two fantasy points this week. Yeah. And it, I definitely regret it this year. Yeah. Um, so would your waiver wire strategy vary, like we discussed earlier with trading, but would it vary based on how well your team is doing? Uh, so maybe as we talked before, um, trading if your team is doing poorly you're more willing to take a shot on some upside somebody so maybe as you approach waivers you're saying now I want to take a shot on this guy he doesn't have the greatest schedule but it looks like it could be a breakout he could be the guy that kind of helps me turn around this season 
Yeah, I, I think that it's actually really similar to what I talked about with trading, where if I'm up, if I'm 6-0 and in any leagues after this, I am not going to be streaming as aggressively. Um, you know, in the Cacupful, a league that we're both in, and and I hope that if any of your if any of your listeners are not in there, I hope that they get in there too because it's For sure. it is a very unique experience I find, mm-hmm. and so they're especially being in the top tier. I think that new players get in there. This is my second year, and I'm noticing really good players hit the waiver wire because mm-hmm. there are not and I'm not talking about like you know I'm not expecting to see Evgeny Kuznetsov hit the hit the waiver wire after sure. his breakout, but like I got uh, Pavel Buchnevich. Buchnevich. <laughs> I have to make sure I pronounce this correctly. I got Pavel Buchnevich off the waiver wire there. And it's like, you know, he got suspended early. The Blues had a bad schedule. And so I, I paid a, out the nose to, to get Buchnevich. And I needed to because my team, I lost, I lost Kucherov. And my team was looking pretty weak down the, especially in the middle zone. Like I had okay streamers. I had players at the top, even if I was missing Kucherov. But I really had... Uh, some holes in the middle of my roster. And so I'm glad that I did because Buchnevich has been very solid for me since. Mm-hmm. But I think that when you are doing very well, then you can say, all right, well, I'm not going to drop this guy who I normally would be streaming out because of his bad schedule, because I think he is just a bit better than the guys on the waiver wire, even if it is, you know, maybe it's only 0.3 fantasy points per game. Uh, but you know he's got a great week one of the playoff schedule. Then I'm sure. definitely going to hold on to you know um, what's a good example. God, I, my brain immediately goes to the Ducks. Like an Adam Henrique is kind of the guy in my brain yeah. who's like the the guy who is always on the waiver wire and who you yep. you know just regularly. You're, but this year he is not on the waiver wire because the Ducks are so good. Yeah. But um, you know, an Adrian Kempe this year, my my co-host Lewis just got him off the waiver wire for his two goal game tonight. And mm-hmm. that's a guy who it's like, okay, if uh, Adrian Kempe has a good schedule coming up, but I have, let's say, um, let's say Buchnevich, uh, a guy who I think is probably better than Kempe rest of season, but Kempe's got a good schedule. Well, I'm seven and zero. I'm I'm ten and two. I'm I'm cruising to the playoffs. I'm not gonna give up that player right now. Right. I'm gonna hold on to him, even though in a normal week I'd I'd go as hard as I can to try and get this W. Now I can take a bit of a break, and and that's sort of how my waiver strategy varies. Is based on, it's based on what I need, and if I need mm-hmm. a win, I will be very aggressive. And if I, and sometimes that'll burn me. I didn't get a chance to say this during the, um, during the trading portion. I kind of forgot to mention it, but. It's kind of how I feel about fantasy hockey in general. The one th- I I hate losing. <laughs> I do really <laughs> badly with it. Yeah. Um, and so I've had to come to the realization that it's okay to lose a trade as long mm-hmm. as I believed in that trade when I made it. You know what right. I mean? Like if I trade you Joel Farabee and he goes off for a point per game the rest of the season, but in you know the Pollock Kreider trade as an example, I talked to yeah. multiple people whom I trust very much and they agreed with me on this trade you know a good opportunity to grab some some defensive depth and give up a guy who nobody really bought going into the season so i can at least rationalize that if it was a trade where everyone's like no you're crazy don't do it and i was like but what if it works and that (laughs) takes my season you know then i have a little bit of of acceptance (laughs) you know it's like yeah i lost but i made the decisions that i felt good about at the time 
Losing is a part of this game too. Yeah. And it's the same with streaming. If I stream out the wrong guy, but I had I had a good reason to do so. I was going for the win and you know, I, I took my shot on a guy who had three games in the last five days of the se- or four days of the week. I took my shot. It didn't work out. What can I do? Yeah. No, I definitely feel that about the competition and you're looking at that week and you're whatever it may be, ten points behind going into Sunday and you're like, Well, if this guy just has a terrific day um, but maybe you don't need to necessarily take that shot on, you know, somebody at the at the absolute bottom of the waiver wire just to hope that he gets a massive game randomly. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. All right. Well, that's all the topics I have. Ben, why don't you tell the people where they can follow your work and catch up with you? Nate, thanks so much for having me. I love talking about strategy and and tactics, and I think that you've got a really good idea for an interview series here. Um, Folks can catch my podcast, Short Shifts, through the Keeping Carlson podcast feed. Uh, Search, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much anywhere. You can go to keepingcarlson.com to find that feed as well. And you can follow my uh, the Short Shifts Twitter feed at Short Shifts KK. Shoot us a question. Um, join our Discord through uh, through Patreon. You know, mm-hmm. come hang out with us. We love the best part about fantasy hockey. I mentioned it earlier: is making friends, is building relationships. That's Absolutely. why I love trading so much. And so mm-hmm. I, I just hope that uh, I hope that more people find that that element because that's what uh, that's what's brought a lot of richness to this game for me. Definitely. All right. Yeah, if you're not listening to the Short Shifts podcast and you're listening to this, you absolutely need to fix that situation. It's always a same day listen for me. Ben and Lewis definitely know what's up. I'll uh, I'll link it up in the show description for sure as well. So yeah, Ben, just thank you so much for joining me on the show and dropping some knowledge for the listeners. Thanks so much for having me, Nate. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, no, your uh, your Twitter feed has been a, a great read for for folks this year as well. Thanks. I appreciate that. Well, that's all I've got for this episode. Hopefully it brought you some value in your quest for fantasy hockey dominance. I'd be so thrilled if you were to take 30 seconds, throw a quick review and rating on the podcast. It would mean a lot to me and would help get this podcast into a few more ear holes. You can find Apples and Genos online at applesandgenos.wordpress.com and on Twitter at AppleGenos. Make sure you find your way into the Apples and Geno's Discord community. It's absolutely free. Great way to meet people with common interests, get instant fantasy advice from over 250 other knowledgeable fantasy managers, including myself. And while you're at it, make sure you're following everything Ben and the rest of the Keeping Carlson team as a whole is putting out there. It's terrific content, well worth your time. That's it, folks. Much love. <laughs>